listening to the Seven Rivers Student Ministry Podcast, a ministry of Seven Rivers Church in Citrus County, Florida. Here at SRSM, we believe that all students are lovable through a relationship with Jesus. Visit our website at sevenrivers.org backslash students. last week about Psalm 51, which is about repentance, and tonight we're going to be talking about suffering. And the Psalms, they're songs, okay, written by an author, um, obviously, that's a silly statement, uh, but this song, each uh, psalm, each song has kind of like a theme. And so Psalm 22 is a lament, and for you guys who don't know what a lament is, it's passionate grief. And the psalmist, this psalmist, David, who wrote this psalm, Psalm 22, he's grieving passionately the, this idea of suffering, um, suffering at the hands of his enemies. It would be similar to like a lament is like, I remember when my grandmother passed away. I remember for the, when my mom saw her body for the first time and just the grief, the lament, like it, it wasn't like a normal cry. It was just, it was, it was grief ridden. It was full of pain. And hurt, and, and it was almost as if when I listened to my mom cry over um, the death of my grandmother, it was almost as if she was dying herself. So that's just like the way this song is being sung is just like this, this deep grief. When um, and, and, and what the song is about is, is it's about this innocent person who's suffering at the hands of, of an enemy, of a bully. So I don't know if any of you guys have ever experienced something like that uh, yourselves. I did. Actually, I experienced it in kindergarten. So you guys are much older uh, than a kindergartner, but I remember when I was in kindergarten, there's these two kids, and they decided that this day, a uh, random day, that I was going to be the person that they were going to pick on. Uh, I was, a, when I was in kindergarten, I, was, was, I played offensive line, just to give you guys a perspective on how big of a human being I was. I know, um, I, but I was very big. And I was an easy target for them to pick on. And so they came and picked on me and made fun of me. And I remember them grabbing me by the arms and they were sprinting as fast as they could. And I couldn't keep up with them. I ended up falling um, to the ground. And then they didn't stop running and then let go of my arms. But then they just drugged me um, across the field at recess. And I remember my teacher asked me, hey, Michael, what's, Mikey, what's wrong? What happened to your shirt? And I said, uh, these kids, they, they drug, drug me across the field. Uh, and they didn't stop, even though I wanted them to stop. David is experiencing something similar. And then from that position that he was in, he sang a song to the Lord, to God. He came to God with a song. And I'm going to read it to you guys. All right. And we're going to do this a little differently. I'm going to read a few verses and then we're going to talk about them. All right. Sounds good. You ready for this? So this is Psalm 22. And it's coming from this place. 
Think about being bullied. Think about experiencing suffering. Think about someone picking on you. Think of someone taking advantage of you. And from this spot, David sings. From this position, he sings a song to God. I wonder if you guys have felt similar. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer me. And by night, but I find no rest. Sometimes, we're going to stop there. When I cry out to God, especially in moments when I'm really in pain or really having a hard time, I feel like he doesn't hear me. I feel like he is far away from me. As some of you may um, know this, um, but some of you may not. But Trip and Luke, um, at a time when I remember experiencing this was, which, uh, was before Trip and Luke. Trip and Luke had have an older sister. I don't know if you guys know this piece of my story, but her name is Blakely. And she was born with a rare genetic disorder that was the cause of her death at nine months old. And I remember the day that I found out about her. I remember crying out to God because I felt like he had forsaken me. I felt like he was not listening to me and he did not hear me. I can imagine David writing this song, writing these first two verses with tears in his eyes welling up as he experiences suffering and feels like God doesn't care. He feels like God doesn't hear him. But what happens in the following verses from this position, David and his anguish, it shifts. He remembers what God has done. And that was something that was important for me to remember when I found out news that Blakely had this genetic disorder. I cried out to the Lord. I said, God, have you forsaken me? Do you not hear my groaning? I cry by day, but you don't answer me. I have no rest because I'm, I feel so um, lost and I'm suffering. And then I think David does something really amazing here. He, he shifts to remembering what God has done. And this was something important as I was walking through this to remember what God's done. He says in verses three through five, yet God, you are holy. You enthrone on the praises of Israel and you our fathers trusted, meaning our ancestors, our great, great, Grandparents, they trusted in you. Um, and they trusted and you delivered them, which means you saved them from the enemy. To you, they cried out and were rescued. If, you, if in you, they trusted and were not put to shame. Even though David, uh, we're stopping there, feels forsaken by God and feels like God is not listening, even though that is very real to him right now, that feeling is very real. David confesses something that is so true about God that doesn't change no matter if your circumstances change. One is that God is holy. And the other thing is that he reigns, he's enthroned, he has a throne. God is in control even when your life is out of control. Are you guys following me here? Even though you feel like you're suffering and things are out of control, God is in control. David remembers how his ancestors put their faith in God when, when they were saved from 400 years of slavery. None of you guys have ever probably experienced anything as horrific as slavery. And they experienced it for 400 years and God saved them. They... That's what he's talking about here. I remember these things, how you delivered us. You rescued us at the Red Sea when you parted the Red Sea. That's an amazing accomplishment. Also, God delivered um, all the enemies into, their, into um, their hand when they went and conquered the promised land. And then remember who's writing this psalm in 22. It's David, right? Do you guys know a very important story about David? It's a famous one. David and what? Yes. Against an enemy. Against an enemy that seems unbeatable, God rescues them with a tiny little shepherd boy, David. David is remembering that God has saved and rescued him 
in this song. That is definitely in his mind as he is writing this. And he's talking about how God, um, how he feels forsaken, but he remembers that God does not forsake. Even though it's a real feeling, he remembers the truth. God's never forsaken us. And then David pivots back into his emotions. And he says in verses 6 through 11, read with me. But I'm a worm, and I'm not a man. How many of you guys say that about yourselves? I'm a worm. Um, Scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They um, They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him, they say. Let him rescue him. For does he not delight in God? Yet you are the one who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb you have been my God. But not far from me. For trouble is near and there is none to help. David realizes the reality of his situation of suffering. He's being made fun of and mocked and despised. Why? Because they're like, don't you believe in a God who's sovereign? Who's in control? If God is in control, then why would he let this horrible stuff happen to you? If he really is, then why would he save you from these horrible things? And so they make fun of him. They're like, if you really trust God, then why won't he deliver you? David shares this in his song, and then he looks to God. And then in verse 11, look at verse 11. What does he ask God to do for him as these people are mocking him in this moment? He asks God to not be far from him, to draw close to him. God, why have you forsaken me? And then in verse 11, God, be near to me, draw close to me. God, um, David is asking a holy God though. Remember, how does he describe God? Look at verse three, holy. But then how does he describe himself in verse six? What's, What's the word? Look, tell me, a warm David is asking God to draw near to a warm, a holy God to get on the ground onto earth and to relate to a worm. Weird, right? Strange, peculiar. I'm, keep that theme in your mind for because I, I am going to draw that out in a, in a little bit. Look at verses 12 through 21. This is a lot, but follow me. David says, many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, which is like a clay uh, piece. And in order to make a pot, you got to dry it out. So it's very dry, clay, clay. And my tongue sticks to my jaws. And you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. But you, O oh Lord, what does he say? Don't be far off. Oh, you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. What's the picture that David is painting? It's the enemy drawing near, closing in on him. He paints this picture of being surrounded by like predators that are trying to eat him, uh, destroy him. 
There's not much time. Soon, it would be like the picture he's painting is you're in the giant ocean with chum surrounding you and sharks are surrounding you. This is the feeling that he wants you to have. Like, I'm about to die. I'm literally, this is the end of my life. And it's impending. It's guaranteed. Death is coming for me. So with one final effort, what does he do? What would all of us do if we were surrounded by sharks? Even though there's no one there, we would cry out for help. Do we say help? Someone help me. Save me. Look at verse 21. Look what David confesses. Look at the very second half of it. He says, you have what? Rescued me. He confesses something that is true that God is going to do for all of his people. For every single one of you, he will rescue you. Anyone of you guys seen Lord of the Rings? There's, in Lord of the Rings, there's, uh, I think it's called The Two Towers. And it's an amazing moment. It's at the end of the movie. And it's the end of man. Essentially, all of mankind, the human race, is gathered in a fortress called Helm's Deep. And they're all pinned in. They got a cliff behind them, and they got a fortress in front of them. And all of these orcs, these evil um, creatures, are coming to attack them and to destroy them and to erase mankind off the face of the earth. And all of the and it's set in like a medieval time. There's this awesome. It's amazing. Horses, shields, swords. If you like that stuff, it's really great. You should watch it, um, or ask your parents and then watch it. And then, <laughs> and then you guys, they're gathered in the fortress, and it's this moment. Of impending doom. And the orcs attack. And the battle's lost. And they're in the final uh, room. All the women and children. And there's not much more they can do. It's only a matter of time before they break through the walls. And slaughter all of them. The kids. The women. Everybody. This is... Very similar to what David's encountering. What does he do? Look at verse 22. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him. But he has heard them. When he cried to him. In the scene with Helm's Deep, the sun rises. As the sun rises, they see out the window an army on the horizon. And it's Gandalf. And it's an army that comes and actually destroys the orcs and the evil. And they are saved at the last minute. And what do you think those people did when they came out of that um, room that they were about to die in? In a sense, when they came out of their grave, the tomb, what did you think they did? They said, I, they praised them. They celebrated. This is what David's doing. You're going to rescue me, God, and I'm going to praise you for what you have done because you have saved me from my enemies and from death. And he says in verse 24, he is not, God has not hidden his face from David, but he has heard when he cried to him. David paints a picture in the following verses. Read with me, and this is the end of the psalm. Uh, From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to God. 
because of what God has done. And all the families of the nations shall worship before God, for kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust. Everyone who dies will bow, even if one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. Look at verse 26. The one who suffer will be satisfied. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. You see that in verse 26? What, what is the good news for the sufferer? They'll be satisfied. They'll be rescued. And the ones who seek God will have him. And the whole world is going to remember God. And every nation is going to bow and worship God. Even those who have died will come back to life and worship God. Look at verse 29. That's what it's talking about. All go down to the dust. Resurrection. In Psalm 22. Before the resurrection ever happened. This is 900 years before Jesus David is singing a song about how even death will be defeated. And then there will be great glory for the Lord. And everyone will know that this isn't a work of man, but this is something that God has done. This is the most important part I want you guys to hear tonight. So if you zone out, zone back in. Keep one finger in Psalm 22. I want you to turn to Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verse 35. So keep your one finger in Psalm 22. Flip over to Matthew 27. 35 through 46. Verses 35 through 46. Anyone notice where I've taken you? Why, what do you think is the connection between Psalm 22 and Matthew 27? 35 through 46. Matthew 27, 35 through 46. If you, you need to turn there, you need to read these words for yourself. You have to turn to that page. Okay, one hand in Psalm 22, one hand in Matthew 27, verses 35 through 46. Let me read to you 35 through 46, okay? What does this sound like? And this is Jesus being crucified. And when they had crucified Jesus, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Flip to verse 18 in Psalm 22. Flip back. Look at Psalm 22. Look at verse 18. What does it say? What does it say? You're right. Go back, to, go back to Matthew 27. Then they sat down and kept watch over Jesus there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him and wagging their heads at him. Go back to Psalm 22, verse 39. What do you see? What do you see? Yes, making mouths and wagging their heads. They make, making mouths is mocking. They mock him and they wag their heads. That's what we see in Matthew 27. Now go back to Matthew 27. And they said to Jesus, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you're the son of God. Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with scribes and elders mocked him saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I'm the son of God. Psalm 22, verse eight. What do we see here? Follow me. Does that not sound like Matthew 27? 
Go back to Matthew 27, verse uh, 43. Don't you see it, guys? Are you guys following the picture here? Yes. Yes. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani. That is, that is what? What did Jesus say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, verse 1. What does it say? Someone say it back to me. Exactly. Are you guys catching what is happening here? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling to Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on the reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit and died. Psalm 22 is about suffering, an innocent person suffering. Who is the only innocent person who has ever truly suffered? Jesus. When you are suffering and you are experiencing that in your life, you can go to Jesus because he has done nothing wrong and yet he suffers. You can go to Jesus like David and you can confess what you are feeling. He can handle it. I remember when Ray um, and Diane came and visited uh, to see if we wanted to move to Seven Rivers. We knew about Blakely. We knew she was going to be born. She was going to pass away. And Ray pulled me aside and he said, Mikey, and this is something I never thought anyone would ever say to me. My, I was like, Christians aren't allowed to do this. He said, Mikey, you can be angry at God. He said, you can be angry at him. And he said to me, you can, he can handle your feelings. You can go to him like David goes to him in Psalm 22 and say, God, you've forsaken me. Have you forgotten me? My daughter's going to be born and she's going to lose her life. Where are you, God? How is this part of your plan? Aren't you in control of all things? But then there's another piece. Remember, Mikey, what God has already done. Remember the cross. It doesn't make it better, necessarily, but it does give me hope. And remember the resurrection, that death is not the end. And so when I walked my daughter through her life, this is so important, I hope you guys hear this. I did not do it alone. I had Jesus, I had the church, I had you guys. And I had hope. Because Jesus died on the cross and he was forsaken by God. He cried out to God and God did not hear him. And he did all those things to take my place so that when I cry out to God, God hears me. As a sinner, God does not have to listen to you. But he does if you're in Jesus. Because in Jesus, you were made right in his eyes. And Jesus was not listened to and Jesus was forsaken so that God could be there for you when you suffer. Psalm 22. The Bible's amazing. Read it. Do what we just did together. Search it and see what God's doing and the story he's writing. Sing the Psalms. Pray the Psalms, okay?
Let's pray. God, thank you for um, 